Exaggerating Podcast Between Siblings. I'm your brother co-host Thomas Dempsey. I'm your sister co-host Elizabeth Connor. And we've got an episode for you today. But before we do that, actually, hmm, sorry, I uh, I blanked on a segue to talk about things. Oh, okay. I guess, yeah, I guess we'll just start talking. Okay. Talking is the episode, so that's... <laughs> Uh, what you been up to, Elizabeth? <laughs> um, let's see here. We had spring break, mm-hmm. where I had food poisoning for the first half of it. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. And But we got to meet you guys in Columbia for a baseball game, so that was fun. That is true. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a good time. Um, and then last, this past week was my first week back to work, and now we are in the home stretch until the end of the school year. Yeah, looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, we've got five weeks left. Oh, right. And that's like, not that's just like full weeks, not even counting like the actual days you have to do it. Yeah, um, and I think our like countdown is like 24. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. But, uh... Yeah, I've been putting in for work, looking around, uh, helping out where I can here at home. Okay. Uh, went and did some house sitting for Liz and Caleb the other week. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, actually not even the other week, just this past Friday, I uh, looked after their dog, you know, little Toby. Yeah. And uh, they, he seems to be getting along better with their cat, which is to say they can be in the same room together. Mm-hmm. But if Toby ever tries to go near Patches, then she'll, like, hiss and bow up. Yeah. So they still aren't, like, on playful terms. Right. And I, and I think that as Toby gets older and less rambunctious, they'll probably get along better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because, like, uh, their old dog, Marion, she was never, at least not in the time that I knew her, she was never that, like, sort of rough housing with her. Mm-hmm. But that, it's a, so it was fun getting to sp- spend time with them. And, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, we went and saw Return of the King in theaters on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. one of those. Had a good time that evening. It was the first time I'd seen it in theaters. Uh, so, and it was the extended edition, too. So, they didn't have a, uh, they didn't give us an intermission for that movie, even though it's like four hours long. Mm-hmm. So, we just, uh... But fortunately, none of us had to go to the bathroom during that whole time, so... Well, that's just, good. Yeah, chilled out. Is there anything else you want to talk about before books? Um, so, my school district has this... It's called the Orange Frog Initiative. Okay. And it's all about, like, promoting positivity through kindness. Oh, Sure. And so, yes, or no, yeah, yesterday. So, yesterday was our pre-planned random act of kindness day. Okay. So, um, I spent my morning yesterday at a, at one of the nursing homes in the town where I teach. And, like... That's cool. Like, the school had collected donations of, like body lotion, body wash, deodorant, stuff like that to give to the residents. And then um, it was, and then I had asked the teachers to 
um, like recommend some kids who they knew had reliable transportation and who could like meet us there at the nursing home to sing a couple songs for the residents. And uh, I had four kids show up. Okay. But it was fine because they they sang anyway, and everybody thought it was super cute. So that's right. what matters. And then after I left the nursing home, because I mean we were there for like maybe an hour. Right. Um, after that, I came back to Florence and did my grocery shopping and stuff. Oh yeah. And then we went over to Papa's That's for dinner cool. last night. So. Nice. Yeah. Uh, if anything, if I think of anything else, it'll probably just come up in conversation. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I've got a few books to talk about this week. I actually have a book that I read that wasn't for the challenge. Nice. <laughs> Progress. Yeah, the, the momentum has begun to mount. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, I'll talk about a couple of mine first, then. Okay. I've got uh, four books that I've read in the last two weeks, or that I've finished in the last two weeks. Although one of them I actually did start and finish in pretty quick succession, and it was uh, the longest book that I read by a fair bit. It is called um, Perfect Song Whatever, mm-hmm. Perfect Sound Whatever, by James Acaster. Okay. You know him, right? Yeah. He's a British stand-up comedian. Yeah. He's written a few books, sort of loosely based on his stand-up material and his life, and one of those is... Uh, Perfect Sound Whatever, which is a autobiographical autobiographical account of his life from the end of 2016 to, like, the early 2018. And it sort of chronicles his uh, hardships during that year. He had a bad breakup and uh, a falling out with his representation and just generally, like, feelings of depression and stuff that mm-hmm. he was going through at the time. But the overall framing narrative of the book is that Throughout the year uh, 2017, James A. Castor became, like, hyper-fixated on the music of 2016. Okay. And so throughout the year, he bought the equivalent of one album per day of music just from the year 2016. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, in addition to just talking about the state of his life throughout that year... He also talks about all the various artists and bands he was listening to from 2016 and sort of uh, outlining their stories as well. So it's kind of a combination autobiography slash like essay music review compendium. Mm -hmm. And uh, much in the style of like a solid playlist, he has a very good way of having each review sort of flow into the next one. So like he'll hit on recurring themes in his life and commonalities between various bands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of these are bands I've heard of. A lot of them are fairly obscure or international acts that uh, are really interesting to hear about for the first time. So uh, and it was a pretty cheap acquisition. On uh, I bought it off of Am- uh, Google Play because I could download it like directly rather than go through the hoops of buying something off of amazon okay yeah i read the whole thing in just about two or three days and uh yeah really liked it cool the other books were much shorter uh the there was um this little novella one of them that i picked up uh on our shopping trip to uh 
uh, North uh, Chapel Hill or Carborough mm-hmm. last month. The Flowers of Buffoonery by Osamu Desai. This is a uh, short little like 90-page novel about a man who uh, meets with meets up with this woman. They have a brief affair and then subsequently uh, agree to commit suicide together. Mm-hmm. And so they both jump off a cliff into the ocean, but the man is fished out of the ocean and survives. And the book picks up when he's, like, holed up at a hospital, recuperating, like, a hospital off the coast of where he was found. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like, over the course of his recovery, visited by his school friends and his brother, and, and has, having interactions with the nurses and stuff, so... It's just sort of detailing the fallout of uh, this attempted suicide and the successful suicide on part of the woman that he is now, like, being investigated about by the police. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very short book, and about maybe a third of it, uh, anywhere from, like, a quarter to a third of it, is just the author. It's just him sort of, like, ruminating on his own style of writing. Mm-hmm. And sort of like you know, there you'll have these comical breaks of like self effacement and deprecation about like various plot turns or various elements of characterization that he's imposing on it mm-hmm. and uh it's just very it's just very sort of endearing and despite the darkness of the subject matter and the sort of like grimness of various like characters in the book mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a very quick read, and, uh, yeah, i say that I enjoyed it as well. Okay. I've got two more books I can talk about after this, but uh, if you wanted to get in there with your uh, book. Okay, um, it's probably going to be pretty quick, because it's actually a book we've already discussed on the show. Oh, oh okay. Because it's a reread. Interesting, so like a book you read last year? Yeah. All right, well, and that's technic- interesting. And technically, I've reread the I've read this book like four, maybe five times. Wow, that's impressive. Um, so I reread "Luckiest Girl Alive" by Jessica Knoll. I was just gonna say because you mentioned having reread it multiple times, and I know you'd said the same thing of "Luckiest Girl." Yeah. So I did re- you ever get around to watching the movie? Yeah. Because for one of How the because chal- for one of the challenges last season, um, it we had to read the book and watch the movie. Okay, and you had, okay? How was it? Um, so I I still love it, <laughs> even after the fourth or fifth time. But this time I took a pen to it. Oh, that's cool. And like underlined stuff that was, you know, that stood out to me that like. I had an impact with, and I also marked thing. I also marked uh, noticeable grammatical errors. Okay. Because as I have said on this show ad nauseum, there is nothing that bothers me more in a book than than uh, inconsistencies in the storytelling and, and grammar mistakes. But like, yeah. you know, but like you know, Luckiest Girl Alive was like produced by an actual production house, so I think I only marked like two mistakes. Oh, that's good. Um, no self-editing here. I'm sorry. That was oh, that sure. was like really that was like really snobbish of me. 
Oh no. I shouldn't fine. have said that. Um so anyway, having read it now, but this and so even though I've read this book four or five times, this is the first time I have read it after watching the movie. Sure. And after consuming the media that went along with the movie. And like, you know, when the movie I think it was either when the movie came out or like shortly after the movie came out, like Jessica Knoll finally, or not finally, uh, but she stated to the public that there were parts of the book that were autobiographical and that she was a victim of rape and sexual assault when she had been younger. Yeah. Like high school, college age. Um, so knowing that now made me read this in a very different light. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. like the book is still obviously like, it's still very impactful, but the first I, I can, I can definitely say that like the first time I read it, especially at the beginning of the book, before you know, all of the things that Ani, the main character has gone through, like you really kind of think that like, she's, she's like not a good person. Okay. And then when you go back and you read it, after knowing what you know because you've read the book before and you know Jessica Knowles' yeah. story and you've seen the film adaptation, you're able to kind of approach Ani with more empathy. And I gotta say, approaching her with more empathy from the get-go makes the book even more enjoyable. Well, that's cool. So, yeah, and like, I, I, I don't know, like, the things that I underlined were kind of, you know, her were things that I remember even though thank goodness like I was never a victim of the things that Ani was a victim of um the things that go through her mind as a 14 year old yeah are still very much the things that I think go through the mind of most 14 year olds so um sure anyway I didn't pull up any kind of specific quotes or anything like that I'm flipping through to see if I can find something now um oh here we go so like like this, for example, when she's talking about starting at the private school, the Bradley school, um, mm-hmm. and she's talking, and this is kind of like, she's talking about in the future, like this is what she would say about her high school. It's it's okay to be insufferable as long as you're aware you're being insufferable. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. That just hit me as funny because it's also yeah. kind of true. Right. I feel like I remember reading that passage when I read the first few chapters. Or, like, when her mom is sending her to that school. And, uh, yes. and it says, Mom, her rump, the whole car ride home, finally arriving at the conclusion she would send me to one of these exclusive private schools on the main line, which would give me a better shot of getting into an Ivy League, which would give me a better shot of marrying into real money. I don't really, uh, do that kind of notation or, like highlighting in books that I read I have done it periodically and so I, I kind of decide because I've kind of decided to um, start rereading some books that I had already started reading uh, and so I think that's something I'm going to be doing if it's if it's a reread or if it goes into a specific category of books um, then I think I am going to start doing that not necessarily taking notes in the margins kind of notation but just like underlining things that make me think that I think are funny that kind of I don't know make me stop for a second and go like what mm-hmm. so anyway so yeah. that was uh, anyway the, so that uh, was oh go ahead 
I was just going to say the closest thing I do to like that sort of thing is I'll whip out my phone and just photograph a page. Mm-hmm. And then if uh, if I'm looking back over it, I'll just scan it to see like what line it was that sort of felt like I wanted to like keep with me. Yeah. So um, that was Luckiest Girl Alive. And even after the fourth and fifth time I've read it, I still really enjoy it. That's cool. Do you have like a hardback edition of it? No, I have a very nice trade paper edition. Um, I got it off of Amazon. Okay. All right. Well, I've got a couple more books to talk about. Okay. Uh, first one is uh, Lake Monsters of North America by uh, Nathan Ballingred. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a short story collection. I uh, have had it for a while and have like, ha- heard, like bought it on good word of mouth, but never got around to reading it until recently. Nathan Ballingred uh, released his debut novel called The Strange which mm-hmm. is like a western set on Mars. And uh, I've heard such good things about the novel that it felt compelled to finally go back and check out this short story collection. And uh, as the title implies, a lot of the stories deal with like encounters with monsters. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of interesting. It's the oh, If I had to think of an overarching theme for all the stories in the book, it's that they are horror stories wherein the supernatural element does not provide catharsis for the like uh struggles and hardships that the characters face just in their mundane human lives Mm -hmm. so like an early story is about a uh a contractor who's building houses for a land development where funding has dried up Mm -hmm. and uh there's like some vandalism that's been happening at one of the uh houses that they've developed during the night so him and a couple of his co-workers go out there to like stand guard and like see who's doing it and while he's away using the bathroom in the bushes a werewolf emer- comes out of the woods and kills his co-workers and he oh. like gets into his truck and runs away and then the rest of the story is basically him grappling with the PTSD of having seen this happen, not being able to tell anybody what happened, also having, like, the financial uh, burden of this um, housing development hanging over his head for the rest of it and just general feelings of uh, impotence, uh, like, in terms of the power that he has over his life. Mm-hmm. So it's very much about, like, this guy's you know, sort of psychological spiral after this traumatic event, but really the werewolf aspect of it is almost incidental like mm-hmm. it could have just been like some creature like some like actual wolf or something that carried out the attack and he'd probably just be feeling every bit as worn out about it yeah and then there's like other stories uh the the titular short story is about a uh released cr- convict who is uh, staying at his uncle's cabin with his uh, wife and daughter mm-hmm. who he's become distanced from over the years and at the start of the story his daughter takes him to witness the uh, remains of a sea monster that has washed up or a lake monster that has washed up on the shore mm-hmm. and and they see it and it's like a, 
a potential bonding opportunity, but then he kind of squanders it because... And that's another thing. Like, a lot of the characters in these books are not all that sympathetic. Mm. Like, one story is literally about an inductee into a white nationalist gang. Oh. Yeah, so... And his... And, like, the high concept of that story is that in addition to, like, all the goings-on of this guy, like, potentially becoming more involved with like this skinhead group uh, he's also got an uh, ailing mother at home who has taken to consuming her own flesh oh yeah so it's pr- a lot of these stories can get pretty dark but uh i mean i don't know there's just like nathan ballingrad is just a really talented writer he's got a great way with language and uh, a lot of the ultimate like moments of realization that these stories end on or whatnot are just kind of weirdly moving mm-hmm. in various ways like that the funnily enough the story about the skinhead guy does end more optimistically than most of the other ones albeit in a way that's still like kind of dark mm-hmm. so like it it shouldn't surprise you that the guy ultimately does not go through with like joining the gang mm-hmm the break point for him comes like during a like traffic accident where he has to execute a horse yeah it's just uh it's just a bunch of really interesting or like sort of unexpectedly interesting stories that uh you're dealing with the uh, last book that i read it was a back book i finished just today in fact and it was another book that i picked up uh up in carborough it is All Quiet on the Orient Express by Magnus Mills. Okay. This is a, a short little 200-page novel about an unnamed narrator who is on vacation at a campground in uh, Britain somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he's, sort of, he's like been working throughout the season. He's taken a week off to go camping at this place. And after his camp trip, he's planning on, like, uh, taking the train out east, like into Europe, mm-hmm. but um, like just on the spur of the moment, he decides to stay at the campground for an additional week. Mm-hmm. And the novel is just about him becoming progressively more embroiled in the fabric of the community, by virtue of the fact that starting out, he's just asked to if he'll like take on various like odd jobs that need doing. Okay, and. Uh, by way of both his own inability to really like refuse or his own sense of obligation to various people he just keeps on taking on more and more jobs and it's the way that the community's perception of him sort of like gradually ebbs and flows regarding his performance in various things and the whole novel sort of amounts to like a very interesting and nuanced satire of like business and economics and whatnot and power structures Mm -hmm. so it's a difficult one to recommend because it's kind of mundane like in the beat to beat sort of like events of the story but then you'll have like these really sharp punctuations of something happening that sort of change seems like it would change things but then things just sort of progress and the overall mood it kind of feels like a mood piece in a way because you're just sort of waiting for things to happen and as they 
time goes on, that sense of dread or foreboding kind of becomes oppressive. Okay. Yeah, so that was a, a really interesting book. I'm, I just finished it, so obviously I'm still mulling it over. But, uh, uh, yeah, overall, I'd say all these books I read for these last couple weeks have been pretty good. Okay, good. And now we've got uh, a challenge for this week to discuss, but uh, we'll take a quick break and be getting back to you with that in a minute. Okay. Welcome back to Our Words Against... Sorry, that's not the name of the <laughs> podcast. Our Words Against Yours. <laughs> um, thanks for coming back to uh, Your Words Against My the Competitive Reading Podcast Between Siblings. I was telling Thomas on the break about the hydration TikTok trend that I have been partaking in. Not oh, necessarily sure. on TikTok, but I have been I have been influenced, let's just say that. Oh yeah. They get to you. So I've current I've got my Stanley Tumbler with my forty ounces of water of forty ounces of flavored water ready to go for the second half. Alright. Yeah, I've got my well my I got my Yeti mug over here, but it's empty from where I got it. I had my coffee in it this morning. So you uh, want to bring us into the challenge for this week? Yeah. So for this episode, um, it was my it was my assigned challenge. So I assigned the book uh, Fever Dream by Samantha Schweblin. Um, mm-hmm. And I. Honestly, I, re- I I chose this book primarily because I had purchased it like on my phone at one point and then never read it. So I tax write off. Yeah, basically tax write off, and um, yeah, which is uh, appropriate because we just passed a uh, tax deadline. That we did. Yep, that we did. Yeah, I got my taxes in. Well, good. I did that back in January. So yeah. I used the same app you recommended, and it worked well, so thank you for that. You're welcome. So, there was a couple of things I didn't know about the book when I first assigned it first. I didn't realize how short it was. Right. And I also didn't realize that it was a translation. Yeah, I didn't realize that myself either, because, like, Schweblin uh, sounds like it could... I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of, like, English families with Schweblin for the, like, as that name, so I didn't... It didn't key to me immediately as... Yeah, um, and according to her biography, she is from Buenos Aires and currently lives in Berlin. Okay. And then the book was originally published in Spain. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, and then the, uh, but, and then the, I guess, English translation was published in 2017. The book, the book in Spanish was published in 2014, and then in 2017... That was when the English translation was published. Okay. And the translator is Megan McDowell. Right. Yeah, you say it was a short read. I, pretty much the day after our last record, I went to the library and checked it out. Yeah. And uh, got stuck in traffic trying to get out of the library parking lot because there was some emergency with like an EMT. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't leave right away. So I just started reading it in the car. Uh, and then got home late after, later that afternoon and picked it back up and finished it that first day. Yeah. I read it for just a few minutes last night. I probably read like the first half of it last night and then I finished the second half of it, um, this, this morning or this afternoon. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. 
I'm gonna go ahead and apologize if y'all are hearing some like weird rubbing. Um, a stare, it will not stop rubbing up against the microphone. Oh, that's sweet. He's real cute, but he's real needy too. Oh yeah, feisty can be like that too. Like whenever I'm coming back from getting a shower into my room, she always wants to follow me, and especially at nighttime, come around ten thirty or so, she'll start like almost shepherding me back into my room to go to bed. Yeah. So she sleeps with you? It's not like she'll even, like, hang around. Sometimes she'll lay there on the comforter between my legs. Uh Uh-huh. But but mainly she'll just see to it that I get into bed, and then she'll leave. (laughs) She's like, this is where you go now. (laughs) That's cute. Yeah. This is where you Mm. go now. You know, when, um... When I was living, uh, when I had a roommate in Columbia and both of us had cats, we had to, we had to sleep with our cats in our respective bedrooms. Oh yeah. Because if we didn't, they, they literally kept us up all night with their running around being crazy. Oh, sure. So what do you think of Fever Dreams? So Fever Dream, um, very much reminded me of the kind of stuff I read for my Spanish classes in like AP Spanish in high school and for my college Spanish classes. Cause I, I did attempt to do a Spanish minor until I realized I was not going to have time for it. So I took like one kind of higher level Spanish class. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there there is a there is a there are some trends in a lot of like Spanish written literature. Yeah. And this and this book um had a little bit of that in it, but like it wasn't quite as in your face as as some of the stuff that I read in high school and college. Okay. So and I don't really know how else? Because I don't remember what the literary device is called. I know it's got like a specific name. Oh yeah. And and I'm almost afraid to find out what the what the name of it is because I don't want to give away the ending. Oh, that's true. Because there is like a turn. Yeah. In the book. But like with this yeah. book, and maybe it's because it's like a more recent, like publication. Um, it it's it's more subtle than kind of when I've seen it in stories that I read like over, you know, 10 and 15 and 20 years ago. Yeah. So, um, like it's, don't get me wrong. Like it's still there. It's just not as in your face about it. Yeah. So I guess now we can. Yeah. So let's talk about like what it's actually about or, or kind of what we think it's about. Yeah. Cause it, it's kind of, it has definitely things that happen, but yeah, there are things that happen. So I, I feel like the best way to describe the overall, like overall what's going on is uh, it's a retelling of the final days of a woman named Amanda. Sure. Um, or like the, of the final like day or two of Amanda. Um, so, and Amanda is, is retelling her final like two days to at first an unknown other party. Right. You find out who it is, but it, you know, for probably I'd say what the first third 
of the book. You yeah, don't know who first, she's talking to. First quarter, first third. Yeah. Um. So, Amanda is is a mother, and she and her daughter Nina, um, are in a rented house out in the country. Her husband it, it works in the capital, and it's very much like a summering like situation. Yeah. Where the the husband works during the week and, you know, if he can, he'll come out on the weekends to the like this country house that they have rented for yeah. the summer. Um, but otherwise, like Amanda or Nina are just kind of there by themselves. Sure. Uh, and, and Amanda strikes up a friendship or an acquaintanceship, I guess, with this woman named Carla. And the retelling begins with Carla telling a very telling Amanda a very very sad story about her son. Yes. And I don't really know what else to say without giving stuff away. Okay. But it's um I guess the I guess we can sort of hint at the nature of the story. At first it's seemingly a story about a grave tragedy that befell her son in his youth, but he uh you are made aware just through tone and context that the son in question is very much still alive, mm-hmm. so it's sort of like a grim portent of what could have possibly happened to him to like instill such fear or be- such emotions in the mother. Yeah. 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 And like you say, the book, uh, the timeline of the book is pretty uh, succinct it really only covers about two days of time yeah and i mean like the book itself is like what maybe 110 pages long 180 100 uh, was the copy that i got from the library i think my the, 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 the there was very large margins on it oh so okay because i read you, it you could probably print a version of this book that was 110 pages long I, I read, like, because the version I read was on my phone, and I think it was, like, 100... I think by the time I finished, it was, like, 113, 115 yeah. pages. But there was, like... Sure. Obviously, because it's on my phone, there's, like, no margins. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, the each page in the book only had about, like, 26 lines per page at most, and a lot of that just came down to, like... Because the whole thing is told in first person, so it's all dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, even as it's like being descriptive of events and whatnot, you're getting a lot of back and forth sort of exchanges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you like it? I mean, I... So when I realized what was happening in terms of how the way the story was going to play out, like I was kind of like, I was kind of sitting here going, okay, when's it going to happen? Uh, okay, yeah. when's it going to happen? Okay, well, it, you know, and uh, yes. it, it was very much like that. It was just very much like I'm sitting here just kind of being like, okay, like, I know what's going to happen. When is it going to happen? Yes. There's this interesting framing device where, like, the person that Amanda is talking to is waiting for in the story that she's telling. Yeah. And that point is ultimately reached, but it hits with a kind of anticlimax that the characters themselves find uh sort of like disheartening yeah yeah so it's a very interesting uh like point in the book that just sort of contributes to the 
like tone of dread about the whole thing. So, so what? Maybe this is. Are you gonna? Do you want to ask me what happened? Yeah, because I read the book and I and then and then it was like okay, like this moment, like this important moment, it's almost here, it's almost here, it's almost here. Okay, nothing's important anymore, and I'm like, what the crap happened? Yeah. I'm like, what happened? What was the moment? I missed it. Yeah, you almost... That's why I was so intrigued to learn that there was a film adaptation about it, because you'd think having it play out in object, relative, more relatively object uh, depiction of the events of the story, like, with less literary distance, might, like, help elucidate certain things. I don't know that I'd want to see a movie about this. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty heavy, at least. Because uh, there is, like, trigger warnings, I guess, for this book. There is, like, harm to children and depictions of illness Yeah. that you get. So it's definitely not... It's going to be a hard read for, uh, I think, people with uh, those issues, with yeah. those triggers. I mean, I don't feel like there's anything... Well, maybe at the beginning. there's There might be some kind of more explicit descriptions of suffering but yeah i mean personally i loved it i thought it was great i mean i also really really enjoyed it and i would recommend this book to people uh now i mean kind of depending on who the person was i think we can just go ahead and call this a horror novel yeah or maybe a thriller yeah well i think between sort of the high concept goings-ons and the mounting sense of dread, I don't think it's too off base to say that there is like supernatural elements to what is happening. Yeah. That uh, constitute it for the horror genre. Yeah. But. Uh, so when we're done recording, yeah, are you going to tell me what happened? Oh, uh, I guess I could. Okay. Um, I can give you my best understanding of what happened, okay. though. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll give that a shot, and hey, I'm, I'm sure there's like. Uh, synopses online yeah that uh, would probably be useful but probably uh, yeah. uh, I, I'm glad I'm glad you recommended it I'd seen it around like when it was in stores and just on like library shelves and whatnot so I was aware of this book and I just never gotten a, gotten around to reading it mm-hmm. so I'm glad I had the excuse yeah I will say I could yeah. see I could see like the uh, original publication the one that's in spanish i could very much see this book being like given to a spanish major or a spanish minor and being like good luck yeah you know and uh it's interesting another uh sort of coincidence that i happened upon after you recommended the book is that i realized i have another book by samantha schweblin a short story collection called mouthful of birds yeah i, I think that's kind of what she's like more famous for are her collection of I think this was her first novel. Yeah, and it's and it's a fitting then that it's a relatively short one. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'll be checking out that collection that I've got, and uh, we'll probably be reporting on it on a future episode. So okay. Look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about vis a vis Fever Dream? I don't think so. All right. Well, it gets a recommendation from the both of us. Yep. Um. Happy to have read it, and uh, very much looking forward to the next assignment we get later on. But for now, do you want to get into bookkeeping? Yes. 
All right. So, so I guess I'll uh, go, first, go first. Yeah, oh, you I'll go, go first. Yeah, I'll go first since I'm like not in the lead. Yes. Um, but I so I read two books for so my my subtotal for, from our last episode uh, was or is 145,684 words, which brings my year-to-date total um, up to 1,558,379 words. And that puts me mm-hmm. at 15.5% of my word count from 2021. Okay. Well, I've read uh, the three bo- of the four books I read this uh, period. It was the James Acaster, which came out to 90,432. There was Flowers of Buffoonery. There was Samu Desai, that came out to 19,468. There was Lake Monsters by Nathan Ballingrad, which came to 66,580 uh, 66, words. And All Quiet on the Orient Express, which came out to 70,720 words. So that brings my overall word total up to 2,194,444 which is about 49% of my word total for uh, 2021. Alright. Yeah. Bingo card time. Yeah, bingo. Okay. So. so, in looking over the bingo card, I guess... So, the, the this book was published in Spain, right? Yes. Okay. So, so I guess I'm... it to be your non-english speaking europe yeah that's what i was gonna say so i guess i'm gonna put fever dream for a book from non-english speaking europe okay that'll be my submission to the bingo card sounds good can you remind me again what uh if you know off the top of your head what so okay bringing up the doc i've got i've got the document here so so far i've read um walking on cowrie shells for short story i've read slouching towards bethlehem for essay collection uh, Cabin in the Woods for Horror, Apprenticeship for Romance, uh, Comics and the Origins of Manga for History, and How Long Till Black Future Month for Assigned. And then The Wall. So, oh, and The Wall for... Uh, um, Book from Non-English Foreign Language Europe. Europe. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's six. So I've got to try and figure out a way to fit one of these books into... One of the books I read into that category... Actually, you know what I think I might be able to do? Oh, yeah, I've got one. Uh, okay. Novella. Oh, yeah. So the, I believe um, the category of novella could be, applied to, could be applied to Flowers of Buffoonery because that's only like a 90-page book. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Um, okay. I'm putting that one down for uh, novella. I could, I could also do it for like uh, Asian translation, but I'm sure I'll be reading more. Uh, those later on so yeah i'll just go ahead and knock this one out okay so taking the picture i i am gonna go ahead and tell you like you're not gonna get a bingo with this submission oh, but i can fine. tell you how far away you are okay all right you haven't got a bingo either okay cool and i think you're still like maybe one away yeah yeah okay so this one was for novella Okay, so you are still two away from your closest bingo. Okay. Huh. You said that uh, Samantha Schweblin was Argentinian? Is that... I thought that's what it said at the end of the book. Okay, hold on. Uh, Fever 
Kareem, Samantha Schwedner. About the author. Yeah, it says she's English originally... Translation, published. It says she's originally from Buenos Aires. See, I'm seeing publication dates, and I'm seeing, like, where she's from. And it says that it drew on her history in Argentina. My only thing is, I'm not sure whether to count that as a European or uh, South American. Right. Because is Spain in Europe? Yes, Spain. Or is that in Africa? Oh, my God. What? No, Spain is in Europe. Yeah, I, I figured. I just know that it's like north of... I just knew that it was like north of Africa and I didn't know if it like counted. Like Morocco's in Europe. Or in uh, Africa. But like they... Uh. But like the northern part? Yeah. So, uh, let's see. How would you feel about putting that down as your South American book? Well, hold on, because I just I found the I found the Spanish translation, so let me look it up by the Spanish translation. Nucleo. Is your country Argentina? Looking at Wikipedia. Del. Dister. Because she she lives in Berlin. Yeah, and Buenos Aires is in Argentina. Right. So did you just want to put it down for uh, South American then? I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess that's fine. Okay. So, uh, hold on. I need to take it off your Europe then. South American. Oh, okay. E. Yeah. I, I see now. Okay. So, you've got Fever Dream for your South American book. Okay. Yeah. And that's a bingo. For real? Yep. All right. You've got Romance. You've got Book from South America. You've got young adult, you've got biography, and you've got sci-fi. All right. Yeah, so that's uh, you. You beat me to the punch on bingo. Did we ever say what my prize was gonna? Did we ever talk about prizes for bingo? Yeah, we did. We didn't settle on that. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll discuss it uh, okay. off mic. But uh, yeah, so we've that's got that settled. Yeah. Now all that's left to take care of is uh, next the next reading challenge. Yeah. So for my or for so my assignment, I guess for the next reading challenge, um, is going to be the first book in a trilogy that I purchased uh, when we went to Chapel Hill. Oh yeah. And so for a month from now, we will be reading, or we will be discussing Hillary Mantel's Wolf Hall. Yeah, and I've actually already got this book, so that'll right, be another great that. opportunity to get into it. Yeah. And so, uh, remind uh, us what we will be discussing. Oh, yeah. Next, next episode. In a, in a couple weeks, we'll be discussing John Kennedy Tools, A Confederacy of Dunces. That's right. And that one's a bit longer than some of the books we've been assigning in the past several weeks. So you probably want to get a jump on that now if you haven't already. Okay. Gotcha. It's uh, another good episode, Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. You want to. Hit them up with the socials. Yeah. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Awards Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourawardspodcast.com. And you can find and you can send us a question, comment, or suggestion to yourawardspodcast at gmail.com. All right. We look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to 
letting you hear from us again in a couple weeks time yes but in the meantime all we've got left to say is goodbye Bye. Oh. <coughs> you good? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, okay. I'm okay. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.